good evening and welcome to tonight's edition of the fifa world cup show and wherever you are tuning in or joining us for this episode welcome to your most exciting informative and educative sports show on the calling platform we are three days away to that big kickoff that is happening all the way in doha qatar wherever you are welcome to tonight's edition of the fifa world cup show with me in the studios to do the discussion is a friend a colleague who has experienced it all on the big stage and knows what it is like to work at the mundial and to feel what it is to be part of the mundial is no other person than Mathieu Carnaval, the CEO and founder of Cult Casio. And Mathieu was privileged to have worked at the 19th edition of the FIFA World Cup all the way in South Africa, which is the first ever FIFA World Cup to have been hosted on the African continent. Three days from now, our friends in the Middle East will be hosting the first ever World Cup in Western Asia and to be specific in the Middle East. Mathieu, good evening and welcome to tonight's edition of the FIFA World Cup show. Thank you, Philip. Good evening to you and thanks for having me back once again. It's nice to be back with you. Definitely. It is a pleasure to have always have you on the show. And uh, tell us a fun fact about working at the World Cup. Well, I would say uh, the funniest thing, the most uh, satisfying thing of working in a World Cup is that you get the chance to meet a lot of great people. Uh, one of them being the gentleman who's hosting this great show. So, yeah, that, that's how we met, right? How we met. And uh, it's, 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 it's interesting that uh, it's been 12 years now. Right, right. 12 years ago. Yeah, it seems like yes. yesterday, but a long time has passed. Yes, yes, yes. And uh, so tell us uh, what it is like uh, working in, in the World Cup at the time in 2010. Was that your first time working at the Mundial? Yes, it was the first time and only time so far uh, working at the World Cup, a football World Cup. Uh, I did have some experiences in working at other sports events, but I never work in uh, an event so big and with such a global audience as the World Cup. So I would say it was definitely the top experience that I had in the world of sports so far. Awesome. And uh, what did you think uh, inspired your journey uh, to work at the Mundial? Well, you know, I've, I've been following football and sports more in general since I was a kid. And when you start watching these events on TV or maybe listening to the radio, if you're a bit older like I am, it, it looks like a world that is so distant. It's so far away from you and, and the people who take part to the show, they're like, I mean, they, they feel so untouchable and so distant from your day-to-day -day life. So as I grew, I, I wanted to 
get closer. I really wanted to understand what's behind the World Cup and what it really means to feel a World Cup. So it was a process that grew within me little by little. And when I finally got the opportunity, when I finally came to learn that there was the possibility to work as a volunteer, I, I just applied and then the rest is his history, as, as people say. And uh, so how did you get to hear about the volunteer program? I think I just look for that, Philip. Um, to tell a bit more of the backstory, as I said, the World Cup was not my first event, my first sport events, because one year before I participated to the Swimming World Championships in Rome, that, that's where I used to live. And so since I was living there, I came to know that there was a volunteer program. Uh, so it was very easy. And after that, I decided to look myself for additional volunteering program. And of course, I knew that the 2010 World Cup was coming up. First event held on African soil. So I knew it was going to be like a huge breakthrough. And, and I just applied to the volunteer program, which was available and which is available for every edition of the World Cup. And uh, up until then, have you ever traveled to that part of the world in, in terms of the African continent? No, actually, that was my introduction to, to Africa. Yeah. Wow. First, wow. And what was, what would you describe that experience having visited the place for the first time? And what was the euphoria surrounding the, the, the World Cup at the time you, when you were traveling to South Africa? Can you walk us through the journey from your home to the airport arrival and working at the Mundial. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, let me start by telling you that when you, when you really get the chance to experience a World Cup, you realize that what is more important, what is more thrilling is, is just meeting with people from all over the world, meeting with the fans, hearing their life stories, sharing the passion for football, uh, so paradoxically, the games themselves, they become the less important thing because you're so much caught up in uh, making new friendships and sharing stories and seeing the world with a different eyes that you almost forget about the tournament itself. And I remember this excitement feeling right when I, when I arrived uh, at, the, at the airport in Cape Town, that's where I was staying, and I could see the first volunteers welcoming you. Uh, yeah, you just, it, it's like, it was like entering in, in the dream world, the world that you'd be dreaming to live since, since, since I was a child. So that was the very moment when I, I realized and I said, oh my God, I, I'm really at the World Cup. This is really happening now. So actually it was meeting with the first volunteers that, that got me into the mode of, hey, I'm, I'm really here. This is really happening. Yeah, I, I get that feeling. And, um, you, you know, South Africa came with this uh, skeptics, uh, critics to, to say, and as many people who had doubts and worry if South Africa had the capacity to host the World Cup. The same, and South African World Cup was also the first winter World Cup, because usually at that time of the year, it's supposed to be traditionally uh, uh, summer across many parts of the world. And uh, that year, it was in the winter. This year, the World Cup is supposed to have been 
a summer world cup is being played in the winter period but traditionally in the middle east it's a very warm time of the year even though it's also winter it's not as cold as it is elsewhere where it is typically very cold and freezing and uh, traditionally it, it is more or less like a summer period around this time of the year in the middle east even though it's cold uh, for many will be coming from the u.s uh, europe and americas what would you what would you describe to anyone going to the world cup at the fair, for the first time and traveling to qatar to say look enjoy the moment and forget about all you read in the news and all that going to south africa did you have any myths doubts worries any of such things yeah, I, I understand what you mean, right? And also the, the need to try to, to focus just on the game when there has been so much controversy surrounding the the World Cup itself. So, I mean, I would agree with you. Now it's just the time to, to focus on the tournament. Uh, my advice to people who go to Qatar and and go there to enjoy the World Cup is try to enjoy the fact that regardless of it being in winter or in, in the summer, uh, I think this World Cup, this tournament has a unique opportunity in the fact that it's being played in November and December, meaning in the middle of a football season. And this is really an unprecedented thing because in South Africa, even if it was the tournament was held in winter time, those months were still the traditional ones for a World Cup. So the World Cup happened at the end of the football season. And that comes with some drawbacks, uh, specifically the fact that some players might be tired. They are at the end of the season, so they are really giving their best. What's happening now is that the World Cup is happening in the middle of a season. So there is the possibility that a lot of players will be more in shape. They are in the middle of their leagues. And that could potentially make up for a better show on the pitch. This is my hope and this is my... Uh, and this is what I hope people will be able to to experience um, when the the Qatar World Cup starts. Uh, traveling to South Africa and uh, experiencing the World Cup at the time, which was your first time, did you have any fantasy? And if you did, what what were some of your fantasy? And which player were you looking forward to see the most? Wow, great question. Um, I can tell that, of course, being Italian and being a supporter of our national team, I was hoping to be able to see uh, Italy playing. I did manage to do that because one of the games that they had the pleasure to work for uh, was the first that Italy played against Paraguay. So I'm watching it from the stands because uh, I was working as a, like a, a steward in the stadium. Yeah, that basically fulfilled a part of my dream because I was able to watch Italy even in my country, but not playing in a World Cup. Plus, uh, I also managed to see Cristiano Ronaldo playing. There was one game that I uh, also provided my support for was when uh, Portugal played against North Korea. Uh, it was kind of an interesting game because Portugal won 7-0. So it was kind of a goal fest. 
and I do remember Cristiano Ronaldo also scoring. So, I mean, what else can I ask for? Um, yeah, I managed to, to watch some of the best football players back then. So I, I can count myself happy about how it went. And uh, speaking of the Italian national team, the Azzurri, uh, you, for the purposes of our audience, you worked in uh, Cape Town and the Greenpoint Stadium. And like you rightly mentioned, you witnessed uh, Portugal play North Korea at the Greenpoint Stadium. And uh, uh, Italy also played at the Greenpoint Stadium. And uh, can you walk us through how it felt um, hosting your national team at your World Cup venue? Well, it's like, it was like feeling home, even though I was so distant from home. And it was probably uh, talking to some of the staff that were, uh, that were basically accompanying the Azzurri. It was the first time that I spoke my home language, like Italian, in, uh, in quite a few weeks. So it was a, a weird feeling on one hand, because again, I was talking to my countrymen very, very far away. Uh, but on the other hand, I felt also a sense of pride, right? Because back then, we were also the incumbent world champions. So we came to the Greenpoint Stadium to, to defend the title. Uh, we all know how it went, so we probably... Uh, I would prefer not to get into the details of the game at Italy's tournament back in 2010. But yeah, seeing them in Cape Town was just, it was just amazing. It was just like, you know, it, it increased my sense of pride of being Italian. I know it increased your sense of pride of being Italian. And also, uh, it, it didn't, the results didn't go as expected. And like you said, you don't want to go uh, that direction. And I respect that. But uh, uh, for us uh, and for many others who have dreamt of working at the World Cup, uh, some may have realized their dream. There are many others who are yet to realize their dream, whether as an athlete, as an official, or as a fan. Uh, just before we delve into other subjects, I want you to, to tell our audience, for those who may not be able to make it, what message of encouragement do you have for them? I would just say, keep trying. I mean, being at the World Cup, as you said, whether it's as an athlete, as a volunteer, as a supporter, as an employee, uh, I mean, if that's your dream, just keep living for it. And there's gonna be multiple chances in the future in a lot of different fashions. So. And I think this is a general advice, right? It's not only related to the World Cup, but if you have a dream to, to fulfill, just keep working for it. You know your path ahead of you. You might not be able to succeed right now. Uh, it might take a lot of time, but I mean, living for a dream, I think it's the most fulfilling, one of the most fulfilling things that you can, that you can do. So my, my advice is just keep trying and don't get discouraged if you, if the if the the road ends up being longer than expected awesome awesome that's very encouraging from you and Mathieu. and we'll be delving straight to qatar and what your expectations are uh, going into the mundial which begins on sunday first of all what are your general impressions of qatar hosting the world cup 
Well, again, uh, leaving aside all the controversies that have surrounded the tournament, uh, I think this country is making an effort to deliver an experience as, uh, as smooth as possible. Um, very difficult for me to say something ahead of the tournament to start because, for example, there were a lot of concern about the temperature, the heat in the stadiums and in the country overall. But to, to really understand if this is going to be an issue or not, we need teams to take the field. So I'll be looking forward to the kicking off game in three days and then we're probably going to be able to, to know more. Um, when it comes to the, uh, the tactical aspects, uh, again, I believe that the fact that the tournament is being played when the football season is ongoing might be a good thing. It might result in better games. It might result in less players being tired. And, and hopefully, yeah, in an overall, overall in a competition at a higher level. Definitely awesome. Um, for Group A, we have Host Nation, Qatar, Ecuador, Senegal, and the Netherlands. What are your expectations and what do you make of this group? Wow. <laughs> so we get into prediction mode. Um, I'll tell you, this is going to be probably one of the most balanced groups. Um, yeah, I mean, very, very difficult to be honest with you because the host country, they always have an advantage of yeah, playing home, of course, and being supported by the majority of people. I have to be honest, I really don't know the team. So difficult for me to make a prediction. If I look at history, of course, Netherlands and Senegal uh, may, may be the top, uh, yeah, the most favorite teams, even though, I mean, I think it's, we just received the news that Sadio Mane is going to play for Senegal in the end. So that's a huge, huge blow to, for the Taranga Lions. I, I pick Netherlands for sure. Um, second place is going to be very, very close between Qatar, Ecuador, and Senegal. Awesome, awesome. Even though uh, you said it's going to be tough predicting, I think you're doing a good job at uh, giving us a fair indication of how the group looks like. And for Group B, we have the three Lions of England, um, the Islamic Republic of Iran, the United States of America, and Wales. What are your expectations for this group? Hmm. I would say even this one, you, you have England that look clear favorites when it comes to history. Uh, I would just say probably Wales are a bit behind. So safe for surprises. They, should, they shouldn't manage to make it to the second round. Uh, Iran against United States, that's probably going to be the game that will decide the second team that will advance. And... And as you know, right, it, it's going to be interesting because it's a game that always comes with a heavy political meaning. Uh, but sticking it to football, yeah, I really have no no idea. I'm, I'm really going to be enjoying this game because the, the United States are growing a lot. Uh, Iran, on the other hand, four years ago, they, they made a very, very good showing uh, in Russia. So might be, I mean, might be the right chance for them to qualify to the second stage for the first time ever to the knockout rounds. Definitely. And uh, for Group C, we have Argentina, Saudi Arabia, Mexico, and Poland. 
What do you make of this group? Definitely uh, Lionel Messi's Argentina uh, going into this tournament unbeaten. They have 36, they've gone 36 games unbeaten and they look, they, they, they look to break Italy's uh, record when they take on Saudi Arabia in their opening game. What do you make of this specific group? So I'm going to tell you two things about this group. And perhaps I'm running, I mean, I'm running a bit too fast, but I'll tell you that to me, this can really be Argentina's World Cup. So I'm going to pick Argentina as my top favorite, not for the group only, but to win the tournament overall. Uh, and the second thing is that I believe Poland can really be the surprise package of this tournament. I think this could really be the, the, the time for Robert Lewandowski specifically to make a difference. Uh, we all know what kind of players we're talking about, right? We all know what kind of goal scorer he is. For some reason, he never managed to shine that much at the World Cup. I now believe he, he's mature enough in his career to really make the difference for his side. So I'm going to pick Argentina and I'm going to pick Poland ahead of Mexico to make it to the next round. And then, I mean, everything can happen depending on the pairings. But as I said, I believe Poland can really make far, can really, yeah, can really go far in this tournament. Awesome. And uh, Group D has Denmark, Tunisia, defending world champions France and Australia. What are your expectations for this group as well? I think this group is going to be more balanced than one would expect by just hearing the names. You would believe that France and Denmark are going to make it easily to the next stage uh, to the detriment of Australia and Tunisia. I have a feeling that there might be surprises here. Mm. Australia, yeah, I think Australia could, could, could give both France and Denmark a run for their money, perhaps even Tunisia. So I'm still going to say France and Denmark to progress, but let's watch out for surprises here. Indeed, it is a World Cup. And the World Cup is full of surprises. And uh, for right. us here on the World Cup show, we wouldn't be surprised either right. when there are surprises in the tournament. And for Group F, Group E, we have Germany, Japan, Spain, and Costa Rica. On this one, I'm going to tell you, Philip, yeah, this, this, should be, this should be easy for Spain and Germany. I think Costa Rica, they already had a glory moment um, eight years ago. And I mean, the squad, it's, it's, it's relatively similar to that one, only that the players have, more, have eight more years. So I think it would be very difficult for them to be, again, the surprise package. Uh, Japan is a, is, is a nice team. It's very well balanced. They have a lot of players playing in Europe. But still, I believe they cannot match the quality of Spain and Germany. Um, I believe, yeah, they will, they will qualify relatively easily here. Awesome. And uh, for Group F, we have the Atlas Lions of Morocco, Croatia, Belgium, the Red Devils of Belgium, and Canada making, who will be making their debut appearance at the World Cup 
as well uh, for the first time in, 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 in their history. Uh, so what are your expectations for this group and uh, for Belgium's golden generation as well? Yeah, well said, well said. And actually for Croatia's golden generation as well, if you think about it, because those two teams are in a very similar situation. They have a lot of players who are probably toward the ends of their international career. So this might really be the last chance for them to, yeah, potentially take the World Cup title. Croatia went very close to that four years ago, even Belgium, because Belgium ended third. So to me, this is going to be one of the most exciting groups because also Morocco, I mean, Morocco, they have a lot of players that can make a difference. And Canada, uh, I'm really happy to see Canada back at the World Cup. I mean, not that I could see it myself because I was very, very young when they participated in 1986. But still, it's a welcome addition to, to the tournament. So here, I think... As one could expect, it's going to be a battle between Belgium and Croatia. Uh, Morocco and Canada will probably give them a run for their money. But overall, yeah, the top two teams should be the Red Devils and, uh, and, and Croatia. Definitely. And uh, for Group G, it has Switzerland, Cameroon, Brazil and Serbia. What are your expectations for this group? Here, I mean, it goes without saying, Brazil should make it, most likely from the top spot of the group. You know what's fun here? This group is very similar to a similar, yeah, a similar group four years ago. Uh, there was only Costa Rica in place of Cameroon. And um, yeah, four years ago, Brazil went first. Switzerland won the game against Serbia, and so they managed to get into the second, uh, into the knockout stage. Question is, uh, I mean, how's gonna end this time? Uh, yeah, they, they're very, very similar teams. Um, so let me tell you, I'm gonna pick Serbia here because Serbia has, if I remember well, 11 players who feature in the Serie A at the moment. So if I need to pick a side, considering that I cannot support Italy, at least I can try to, I mean, show some sympathy for Serbia. And yeah. on the other hand, Switzerland is the team that basically, uh, yeah, prevented Italy from qualifying or at least forced us into the playoffs. So I mean, I'm a bit biased, right? So I'll pick definitely, Serbia. yeah. And Cameroon, um, I mean, Cameroon, they they're not they're not a team they used to be like a few decades ago. Um, they have, yeah, they have players with international experience. I just don't think they can match the other teams in this group at this stage. Yeah, I agree with you on that. And one very interesting point you mentioned was the correlation between uh, the parents for this year and the last time uh, the teams met. That was a very interesting perspective that you gave. The only exception was Cameroon uh, uh, this time. So it means uh, uh, this group, they, 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 they fairly know each other and uh, they will be seeking out to uh, make history or repeat history, as uh, we can say. For Group G, we have Portugal, 
Ghana, Uruguay, and Korea Republic. Hmm. What do you make of this group? <laughs> what do you want me to make it out of this group? Because I know you have an interest in this one, right? <laughs> <laughs> ah, you, you, you may say so. <laughs> I would say, I'm going to ask you the question after that, but... Hey, it, it's difficult not to say Portugal and Uruguay here, right? Um, on the other hand, both Portugal and Uruguay are those kind of teams that can win with everybody and can lose with everybody, depending on the day, especially, especially Uruguay, I would say. So I think it can be a balanced group. Again, the instinct, the logic would tell you that Portugal and Uruguay are going to make it. But this also looks to me like a group when surprises can happen. Uh, I don't know very much Ghana and South Korea, how they're faring at the moment. So again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rely on you to tell us a bit more about Ghana. Uh, I know that you guys won with Switzerland your last friendly game. That was a very nice showing. So, I mean, perhaps it looks good. Um, definitely. And uh, I agree with you when you, you, you say you're a bit... Uh skeptical about this group and you probably think Portugal and Uruguay would would make it out of this group and maybe there might just be a surprise uh, package but first I would give our audience a bit of perspective about this group and specifically about Ghana this is Ghana's fourth participation at the World Cup Ghana's first participation at the World Cup was in 2006 and then they followed through to 2010 in 2014. But I'm going to give our audience a bit of background of what went into Ghana's participation from 2006 to 2014 and to build up on the current generation of the team. So Ghana, Ghana's participation at the 2006 World Cup in Germany uh, wasn't a fluke. The journey actually started in 1999 when Ghana participated at the Under-17 Championship in New Zealand. And uh, Ghana developed what we called the five-year development plan by the late uh, FA president at the time, was called Ben Kofi. So they developed a five-year development plan, and players who featured in the Under-17 tournament in 1999, Ghana placed third at that tournament, graduated to represent Ghana at under-20 level, which was played in Argentina in 2001. And in that tournament, it featured Sule Muntari, played at the youth level, uh, it played it, uh, John Mensah, uh, uh, Derek Boatin. Many of the core players of the Black Stars featured in the 2001 youth tournament. And we lost to Argentina in the final the Argentine team featured Saviola and many others within that generation. And Ghana went on to build on that team. From In 2004, we couldn't participate at the African Cup of Nations, which was in, 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 in Rwanda. But Ghana built on that. And in 2005, when the qualifications started for the World Cup, Ghana had a call of the young players that participated from 1999 uh, at the youth championship uh, all the way 2001 and they f and they, they formed that core together with uh, some existing members of the 2004 black stars team 
which had Stephen Apia, Matthew Hamwa, uh, Richard Kinsane, and so on. And that is how come Ghana qualified for the 2006 World Cup, which was our first World Cup. We lost our first game to Italy, which I think was our best game, even though we lost to the eventual champions. We went on to beat the USA uh, uh, in the group stages. And the second-ranked team in the world at the time, the Czech Republic, convincingly, in 2006 and only lost in the round of 16 to brazil but guess what uh we built on that momentum in 2008 ghana hosted the african cup of nations we placed ted uh in 2009 ghana participated in the inaugural chan championship what i would describe as a tournament for locally based players on the african continent and then the black stars built on that were second in that tournament, uh, that particular year, Ghana remains the first and only country to have won the youth tournament. That is the 2009 Af uh, World Youth Championship, where we had Andre Ayu, Asamoah, uh, 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 Ajiman Bedou, uh, Samuel Inkum, and they went on to play at the 2010 African Cup of Nations, were second in that group, and then they went on to play at the World Cup in 2010. So 2010 World Cup, we had players that had played at the 2006 Mundial, which was Asamoajan, Suleimuntari, Derek Boateng, uh, Steven Apia. They went on to also play at the 2010 World Cup. And the 2010 was a blend of experience and youth. And uh, it, I would say it wasn't a fluke for Ghana to have played at that top level in 2010. And we went all the way to the quarterfinal. 2014 was a mix of other things, not for Ghana's performance, was not for, uh, for footballing reasons, but I would say for uh, political reasons. This was the reason why the team didn't do well, where they had to fly money in and all that. Uh, and all I don't want to go into the details of that. But the 2014 team had a composure of players that have played at the 2010 World Cup, played at the 2012 African Cup of Nations, 2013 African Cup of Nations, up until then. To tell you about the strength of that team, Germany, the eventual champions at the 2014 World Cup, only drew, they, they, are only, they never lost in that tournament. Their only draw from that tournament came against a spirited 2-2 draw with the Black Stars and Fortaleza. And uh, the Black Stars were knocked out of that group. But this year, for the Mundial, we have 26 players who have been called up. 24 of the 26, this is their first time playing at the Mundial. And remember, we are coming from the back of a very poor African Cup of Nations. Up until today, the Black Stars had played 10 games and they, are, they were yet to record a win. Remember, the qualifiers... We qualified at the expense of Nigeria uh, through the away goal rule. So uh, the only two players to have played at the World Cup in the current Ghana team is Andre Ayu and his brother Jordan. Andre Ayu played at the 2010 World Cup 2014, Jordan 2014. But uh, today I watched the Black Stars game against uh, Switzerland in Abu Dhabi. And uh, I would also say the Black Stars has a very good team in terms of individual talents who are playing at the top of football. Can that translate into team cohesion, excellent performance? We are yet to see that. And, uh, but on the back of what we have seen today, 
against Switzerland. Switzerland is supposed to give an indication of uh, uh, how the Black Stars will fare in their first game against Portugal. So uh, I think you are right when you say the Black Stars are the surprise package. But if they can rise above themselves, I think they should be able to get a decent result in the group. But uh, in terms of my expectations, I'm measured to say they can pull up an exceptional performance on the basis of the analysis that I've just given. I don't know if I make a lot of, uh, I'm making a lot of sense, uh, Mathieu. Oh, totally. Well, thank, thank you very much for the, the background. Of course, I, I knew the results of Ghana on the pitch, but I don't know much of, back, of the backstory. Um, I'll tell you one memory that I have about Ghana in a moment. But first, I want to, you know, I want to tell you, and the audience as well, I, I just realized that the last game in the group is going to be Ghana against Uruguay. And you know very well that, I mean, that that's a painful memory for Ghana, right? Because in, in 2010, Ghana literally went inches away from becoming the first African team to make it to the World Cup semifinal. And uh, I mean, you, you, you didn't manage to do that in a very controversial way because of Luis Suarez's handball from, from a shot that was destined to, yeah, to, to end in the back of the net, right? And then Hazamo again, uh, yeah, he missed the, the, the subsequent penalty and then, yeah, the the Uruguay managed to win the game on, on a penalty shootout. So, yeah, that's very painful. I mean, I, I say that myself, so I don't have you to relieve that, uh, that pain yourself. But, yeah, good luck. Maybe this is going to be redeemed time for, for Ghana. Um, Definitely. And, you know, interesting, and one interesting fact about the Ghana-Uruguay game, that is the best game that I've seen the Black Stars played outside of Ghana with a 90,000 field capacity stadium. And I could tell the entire stadium was behind Ghana and not just the entire stadium, but Africa. When Sule Muntari struck that ball in, I could feel not just the stadium vibrate, but the whole continent was truly behind. Black. And the Black Stars were nicknamed at the time uh, with uh, uh, the acronym of the Bafana Bafana team. They said Bagana Bagana. You know, and, and that was how exciting uh, the Black Stars were at the time. And um, we can only yes. hope um, Qatar would bring similar uh, memories. Uh, one of our friends and um, uh, a, a compatriot who's always joined us on the show uh, is Justin Akowa, who, be, who is joining us from the UK in England. And uh, uh, Justin would also... Uh, probably uh, ask Mathieu a bit of questions or if he also has uh, some thoughts to share, uh, I would ask Justin to, to, to join us and to share his thoughts and what his expectations are. Um, good evening, Philip. Good evening, Mathieu. Hey, Justin. Good evening, Justin. Good evening. Well, it's, it's, been, it's been nice listening to you guys. I think I, I just have a question for Mathieu. I, I know that it's not it's not um, about the World Cup, but I want to ask him about the Italian national team and how they are moving forward. Because now I've seen that it looks like Man um, Roberto Mancini is 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 looking to reinvent the wheel with the national team right now, with the inclusions of people like Scalvini, like 
Willignonto, now more Skamaka, now there's more of a Raspadori in the Efratesi sometimes. Now Tonalito is getting um, a bit of an inclusion in the national team. So um and I and I've and I've and I've also been looking at comments that now they are looking forward to the next Euros because they know that the next World Cup is a do or die for them. They must make it. So how how do you think how do you think that um, how do you think with the outlook of the introduction of this these new youngsters, the Italian team is going to be in just a few years' time? Yeah, great question, Justin. Thank you very much. Actually, Italy just played last night a friendly game against Albania. Uh, and it was a bit encouraging to see Mancini bringing in a lot of new players. You mentioned Scalvini. Uh, you may also notice we uh, he, he, made, he made a 16-year-old striker play. His name is Pafundi. And he became the youngest player to make a debut for, for the Azzurri in more than 100 years. So it's really looking at fresh forces. And one good thing is that many of the players that he is going to rely on in the coming years, and you mentioned Skamaka, you mentioned Raspadori, the good thing is that these players are finally starting to gain some international experience. Because one of the problems that we had in the past was that um, outside of your top starters, all the immediate backups, they, they have very little international experience. Think of a player like Domenico Berardi, who he's 28, 29 years of age, and he has never played in, um, in, in a Champions League or even in a European competition. And that was the problem. We had all these players that they were featuring for mid-table clubs like, I don't know, Sassuolo, or, or Torino, uh, like, like Andrea Berotti. Um, so now the players that are supposed to take their place, like Raspadori or uh, Scamacca, or, or even Luca, the striker Luca, who's now playing for Ajax, are gaining some international experience, which is what can potentially make the difference in the future. And, and also make sure that when uh, Italy ends up in uh, very sensitive games, like was the playoff against North Macedonia, they have more of a mindset to to tackle those games because yeah i believe one of the one of the issues we had in these qualifications that we just missed was that the people were not strong enough from uh, from a mindset standpoint to, to to sustain the pressure of having to qualify in just one or two games so i mean uh, very early very early to say where are we going to be in a few years but at least I'm starting to notice some some encouraging signs. Let's put it that way. Okay, thank you. Thank you so much for that answer. Sure. Yeah, my pleasure. And uh, speaking of encouragement, I would want to dazzle our audience uh, with uh, a bit of an encouraging tune. And uh, it is by far, for me, my best World Cup song as we build up to the opening ceremony in Qatar. So let's take this one from Shakira. She says, waka waka, this time for Africa. Love it.
Yes, it was time for Africa. And uh, Mathieu, what feeling does this song give you? And what nostalgic memories does it bring to you? Wow, goosebumps. Goosebumps, Philip. This was one of the... Yeah, it was like the one of the tracks we used to play every day during our days as volunteers in, in South yes, Africa. Yes, yes. And I would want to take you back to one of such wonderful moments when we used to party at the long streets. And for many people who've been to South Africa and are familiar with Cape Town, long streets is where you have a buzzing nightlife and almost all the nightclubs in Cape Town were based at the long streets. And uh, during the World Cup, it was a wonderful experience to always be at the long streets. So one song that was also a very good song in 2010 was Canaan's Waving Flag. Even though it's not an official workout song, it was an, a promotional song by Coca-Cola. And let's enjoy that tune. Mm-hmm. 
Yes, Mathieu. So, uh, what does this song bring to your memory? <laughs> As you said, Philip, parting on Long Street. That awesome. Is what I really, yeah, the, the, that's the song that I really associate to those beautiful nights that we spent together with fans, people from all over the world, all waving our flags for, from our countries. And uh, just before we wrap up, uh, do you have any friends that you made from the World Cup that you want to use this medium to reach out to them with some positive vibes and to still say, you know what, it's been 12 years, but uh, even though we, we may not have met, we may not have interacted, but uh, the memories still live on. Do you have any of such friends that you'd want to... Uh, recognize on this platform absolutely absolutely philip so so many of them on top of you of course but yeah big hug to Muni, to balki uh to gregory to hassan to andrea oh my god so many so many different names nadesh uh, david katie yeah friends for for a lifetime even even though with many of them, unfortunately, we, we, we don't have any chance to meet again. Awesome, awesome, awesome. It's been a privilege and a lovely moment having you on the, this edition of the FIFA World Cup show. And um, we hope our friends uh, would be involved with the World Cup in Qatar, um, whether as an athlete, as an official, or as an employee, from the side of the LOC, from the side of FIFA, or as a fan, uh, they would have the best time of their lives and um, concentrate on the most important thing, which is the beautiful game. On this note, as always, it's been a pleasure coming your way with today's edition of the FIFA World Cup show. And a year ago, we were building up to the Mundial, and we are just literally 72 hours away from the big kickoff um, from tomorrow we'll be back again on the platform we'll be giving you everything you need to know we'll be breaking down the teams the key players to look out for the team analysis and as we we go we hope we'll have some of the players some of the coaches and uh, like tonight we had Mathieu who worked at the first world cup would we'll also have someone who's also working at the first World Cup in the Middle East, give us his perspective and what he makes of that as well. Until our next episode, I will leave you with a concluding edition of Canaan Song, Waving Flag. Wherever you are, wave the flag of your country and wish your team well. If your team is not participating, find a, a lovely team and support them and let's enjoy the moment keep well stay blessed it's bye for now <laughs>